which one, Sister Dakota? Had a 50-50 chance. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. God is good all the time, Brother Anthony. So good to see each and every one of you. We're glad you're in the house of the Lord. Soon Pastor Herring will be back. Amen. I am really looking forward to that. Um, I, I trust and pray that you have been lifting him up in your daily prayers. You've been asking God to give him and the Herring family a special touch. Amen. We are blessed, church, very, very blessed. We really are. We have, um, we have a, a leader and his wife that are committed to this area. Not everybody in charge of churches are committed to their area. You didn't hear what I said. It means they're always looking for another field somewhere else. Always looking for a different church, another vision. More people, meaning more money, and that is not your pastor or his wife, I promise you. Their hearts are here, and therefore we benefit from that. Yes, we do. Amen. Um, I, I hope that you'll get with Sister Wendy and, and sign up to, to do something special once or twice or whatever you can do throughout the month of October. And then when we're done with October, we just realize, hey, it's fun to do this all the time and uh, just try to be a blessing to them. Amen. God is good. I want to read from the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter number 7. Thank you so much for standing. Again, I am glad you're here. You could be many, many other places doing many, many other things, but you chose to be here. Thank you. God bless you. Starting in verse 13, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many, someone say many, many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it, Someone say amen. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and praise you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your people, God. I thank you, Lord, for a hunger and a desire to know you. And I want to leave this place better than when I came, God. I really, really want to leave changed and growing and more mature. And someone say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I was just talking to Brother Brad not too long ago. It is a funny thing, though it's really not funny, but we say it like that, that somehow we have learned, Brother Rick, to measure the level of how good church was based on a program or a show or a movie. What I'm trying to say is we are trying to compare church to Hollywood. We're trying to compare church to the flamboyant and the and the, and the super uh, miraculous that they can do, the light shows, and, and they can animate, and they can do all of these things, and we come to church and we're bored because it does not excite us and wow us. And, uh, 
Well, I'm going to be straight with you. I'll be straight with you today. I want to preach on that topic topic tonight, straight. Something that I've always enjoyed. Brother Lance, where are you at? I don't see you. Brother Trace, you can, you can relate to me. Brother Collins, some of you others. I, I just am at awe when I see a lawn, Sister Kristen, that's just freshly mowed. And the lines are straight. I said, that is silly, Brother Flair. No, I'm serious. I like to see straight lines. And man, do I, I can pick out the ones that are not straight. They're wild and curve, and they got a wild bend to them and this and that. And, and you see, I just kind of got this, this upbringing from my father who was pretty, um, he was pretty meticulous. And some might say that he was way too meticulous. And, and he was a... Uh, He'd be like a chin, peck, a chicken pecking at a bug. But he taught me when I was about seven or eight years old. That's when, Brother Kenny, I got a chance to run a power mower. And I was going to, for a, for a picture of this, I was going to bring a mower up here. That's silly. Yeah, but my mower had wet grass on it because I had to mow last night. I thought I'd be done mowing by now. I'm still mowing. It's still growing. And so... It was still wet with grass, and there was no way I could bring it up here and mess up the church. But you just have to envision with me, and maybe you don't have a lawn, and you don't have to worry about mowing and cutting grass or doing this or that. But if you do, then you know what I'm talking about, cutting your grass. I worked with Brother Lance and some guys that on the lawn crew for a while, and some of them didn't understand the principles of making a straight line. I mean, like, not at all. And then someone would mow this direction. And there was no pattern. There was no order to it whatsoever. And my dad raised me. He said, this is, this is how it goes, son. When you're going to mow, you're going to mow like you mean it. You're going to cut the grass, and there's going to be some order to it. He says, I, I take care of the weeds, and I fertilize it, and I get it nice and green, and, and I water it when it needs to be watered, and that grass is lush. And so when you mow it, you need to take note how to mow the grass. Mow it in a straight line, boy. Well, that's really not very good Sunday morning teaching. It was important. He was telling me, Brother Walter, it takes effort. It takes attention to detail. It takes concentration. And it takes some practice, right, Brother Seth? Take some practice. He gets his headphones on, and this is how he moves. And then he adjusts his headphones. And... But he's getting better, aren't you? He's getting better. Straight. Straight means to be free from curves. No bends and no irregularities. Straightness is generated by moving continually in the same direction. You know, you can always tell when someone stops in the middle of a straight line. That's why in architectural drawing, we were talking about that last night, the other night, how you took your pencil. Remember when you did that, guys and gals? You took your pencil, and what would you do with it? 
you begin to roll the pencil in your fingers so that it kept the same amount of lead throughout the entire line. Whereas if you just kept it hard all the way from the beginning, it was nice and thin. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you got all the way to the end. In some cases, it looked like a big, bold line instead of a fine, distinguished line. Staying in line, moving continuous in the same direction. Straight can be defined as holding to a proper course or direction. Straight can be construed and defined as coming from a trustworthy source. To be honest in fairness. Free from extraneous matters fixed with a direction. Talking about being straight. Much of today's ways or means are not straight. Can I get an amen? Very few things are straight anymore. Everything's got a but or what if or a curvature to it. Very few things, Brother Anthony, are black and white. They're all gray. I'm not going to, I promised myself that I would not jump down rabbit holes today. Lots of irregularities. Things that are not reliable. They're inconsistent. Rarely black or rarely white, but mostly gray or shaded. Ever-changing society above being straight. And you get to know, you're thinking, I know you are, you're thinking of things in your life and around your life. You've watched and seen that from 10, 15, 20, Brother Michael, 30 years ago, you looked at that was straight, but it's not straight no more. It's, it's different. They look at it different. Things were labeled one way, and that was, everybody knew it, but now society has said, When I was young, which was so very long ago, stop laughing, Brother Barbara. There was something that, that was presented to us in school, and it was called Scared Straight. Ah, I know how old you are. And it was a big push to stop young people from making very grave errors in their life, from getting involved in things that would send them in a direction that would undoubtedly lead to prison or, or worse, death. And so they decided, Brother Palmer, that if they could take young people early on when they were making mistakes and grab them and put them in an environment that would scare them to the point that they would want to walk straight, and temporarily it worked, didn't it? It stopped crime. It, it slowed down the progression of, of doing stupid stuff. And, and yet as young people, we have a tendency to still do stupid stuff, but hopefully not as severe and drastic as what they were trying to keep. They were trying to keep young people off the, off the streets and, and keep them out of prison and keeping them a life of crime. And it worked, and they took them in, and they put them in a cell with someone who was a hardened criminal. Now young people, for the most part, not all, just looking at you, yeah, what a big deal. They don't care. 
but they tried to scare them into to changing their ways from drug and alcohol and crime, reality. Get them to walk a straight line. Get them out of, out of this direction that they're going. Proverbs 4.25 tells me, Let my, thine eyes look right on, and thine eyelids look straight before you. You know it's Jesus that I'm looking for because that's who I need to be looking at. It's Jesus. I don't need to look at football stars or basketball heroes or Hollywood elites, actors or actresses. Their lives in the most part are just like you or I. They're flesh. They make mistakes. You give them fame and you give them fortune. They're going to do the same thing that you'll do or I will do. We'll take our eyes off of Jesus. But I want my eyes on Jesus. You know it's Jesus I'm looking for. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. It's funny how in Matthew 17 verse 8, they said that when they had lifted up their eyes, this is when they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they had all of, the, all of this that was going on, what'd they see? What'd they see, Brother Stacy? They saw Jesus and, and Him only. It's the only one they saw. When Nebuchadnezzar got off track, and he allowed things to get in his way. He allowed his riches and his fame. And he began to look at he was responsible for all the blessings that he had gotten. And God said, you're going to learn a lesson, boy. You know, there is something that's true to that. Whenever we start taking credit for God's blessings, look out. Look out, brother. Look out, sister. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your background. You can be a preacher. You can be a preacher's wife. You can be a singer, a Sunday school teacher. You start taking credit, and God will knock you down a notch or two. And Nebuchadnezzar got knocked down. But something happened when he was out in that field. Something happened when his hair began to grow like feathers and his fingernails like talons, the Bible said in Daniel. It said that, it, it, that when he lifted up his eyes, Daniel 4, 34, and he looked up to heaven, he said, mine understanding, it returned unto me. Eyes on the Lord, and God restored him. So there's proof you can make a mistake friend of mine. You can make a mistake. You can fail God. We've talked about that a lot lately. We can make a mistake. We can stub our toe. We can turn our back on God. We can go wander. We can be like the prodigal son and waste all of our inheritance. And yet there's still a father in heaven that's saying, I'm waiting for you to get your mind right. I'm waiting for you to get your eyes on me. My arms are open wide, but you got to turn towards me. And he did. Psalm 121.1 talks about, I'll lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. What are we using for a point of reference? We talk about a straight line. What are we using? We want to we be popular in society or do we want to make heaven our home? If heaven is where you want to go, and I believe it is, then that's where our sight has to be on. Uh, I know that's simple. I know that just seems just overly, overly simple. But you're going to go where you're looking to. It's, it's like when you shoot a rifle. If you shoot the rifle like this, 
thinking, I'm going to shoot towards that group over there or a big moose over there. I'm not going to hit it. I've got to, I've got to be looking at where I want to go. I've got to, be, uh, uh, I've got to get my sight on it. And then I, I've got to get my focus going. Because sometimes I look through a glass darkly. Sometimes I'm not really sure. I've got a focus point. The Philippians heard from Paul in 3 and 14. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The CEV says, I run toward the goal so I can win the prize of being called to heaven. You see that? The CEB says, the goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. I've got to have my eyes looking at where I want to go to. i got to have a reference point. If I want to mow straight, then i got to have something that allows me to start at. You take a big giant field and you just say, well, I'm going to mow straight across that. Good chance you're not going to mow a very straight line. Not without the help of GPS or, or coordinates from your satellite. It's what they do with the big giant tractors now in fields. But they didn't used to have that. They just started somewhere that they knew was a straight reference point. And from there they just mowed or tracked or tractored or plowed or whatever it was they did. So we have to have a straight point of reference. Lawn mowing, I use a fence. Sometimes I use a, a border Sometimes you use a curb or an edge or a street or a property line. Living for God that tells us in Proverbs twenty two twenty eight that to remove not the ancient landmarks. There are landmarks set, church. There are reference points that have been set by our forefathers. Why? Because they're for you and me. They're for a line. They're for a border. They're for a reference point. Where you can say, that's the straight line there. And if I'll stay close to that, I'll be okay. I think I've quoted before. I believe it was C.M. Becton. He said, don't ever remove a fence until you first know why it was erected. A lot of times we like to tear things down. Don't even know why it was up. Then you find out. Neighbor's got a Rottweiler. Got to have a reference point. I believe the Word of God truly is the best reference point. It's fixed. It's unchanging. We're told, Matthew 24, 35, He says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word, it will not. It shall not pass away. Psalm 119, 89, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. That's straight. It's unchanging. It's unchangeable. Even the Lord Himself said, I am the Lord and I change not. Malachi 3. Straight. Not to be bent. Not to be molded. Not to be shaped. Not to be turned around. But quite the opposite. To stay straight. We don't take the Word of God and say, okay, I'm going to try to take that and mold that around my life. I'm going to fit it in wherever it fits in. 
Sister Patricia, it's quite the opposite. It's the Word that I want my life to mold in. I want my life to mimic the Word of God. Christianity, you know they were first called Christians in Antioch, Acts 11, verse 26. But it is so carefree, tossed around today. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And, and yet, to be a Christian is to be like. Does it mean perfect? No, didn't say that. Now he was. He was without sin. And he didn't sin. To show us that we can also do the same. I want to disperse. I want to, I want to just tear down that very lie that says we have to sin a little every day. That you have to fail. That you will never make it. You can't be without sin. No, 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 no. Now, I know when it says be holy for I am holy. You used that the other night in First Peter. He said that the difference is he said be ye holy. It means be ye cleansed and, and righteous and, and, and perfect. And then the other word holy that's in reference to him is different. He's perfect. But I need to be working on perfection. He doesn't have to work on it. He's already got it all down. But I got to. There are things in my life that need to be adjusted and tweaked and changed and gotten rid of. And the Word of God will truly help me do that so that I can walk a straight line and I can be in, a, in, in accordance to where I'm supposed to be. Words like Pentecost or Pentecostal now are so carefree, also tossed around. The day of Pentecost was the experience, and we may call ourselves Pentecostal because we believe in that experience. Believe in that experience. And that experience consisted of repentance and, and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. But not only did it stop there, it was from there that it went out into the street as they began to obey the Scripture. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every, every creature. That's what Pentecostal was as well. That you need the same experience. Will you laugh or cry or jump or dance or whatever the same as me? No. But you'll have an emotional experience. You'll have something that's real. It's not a cardboard cutout. Say this three times and there you go. Those individuals say, see my tie, tie my tie. Oh, you spoke in tongues. No. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Straight. Apostolic. Again, also thrown around. Believe and live what the apostles preached, Acts 2.42. What do you say? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. There's that word again. I said that the other day during church. I want you to know God has been stirring my heart about that word. Some of you need to understand fellowship is more than just showing up, right, when the bell rings and then leaving as soon as the bell rings. It means, why don't you come early? Why don't you have a donut? Why don't you drink a cup of coffee? Why don't you hang around during the potluck? Why don't you share with me some of your testimony? Because I need it, Brother Lance. I need it. Fellowship. That's what they did. They hung around with each other. And in the breaking of bread and in prayers. 
Praise the God. I love you. Repentance will cause a straight line. It's a turning away from sin and wrong. A lot of churches have stepped away from preaching repentance. Can I get an amen? They talk about everything but repentance. They talk about everything about sin. Uh, love and prosperity and, and grace and this and that. But if you don't have repentance, you, you, all the rest don't matter. Because except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's my Bible. That's straight. You say, well, I don't like that, Brother Playo. That's too hard. No, the Bible says, Luke 13, 3, except ye repent. Well, that's only for preachers. Yeah, it's for preachers, all right. Count on it. But it's for you, too. Repentance is absolute. We'll perish without repentance. Repentance is nothing more, Brother Bradley, than just, it's, and I don't mean to downplay it, I'm not saying that, but it's, it's an important aspect because repentance takes and turns us from carnality and humanity towards spirituality. Because carnality and humanity says, I want to do what makes my flesh feel good. I don't want to tell somebody I'm sorry when I know I didn't do them any wrong but they have ought against me. Repentance will take you and stir your heart and it'll say, why don't you be a bigger man and step up and do the right thing? Carnality says, bless God, I'm going to hold my grudge until they make it right with me. You go right ahead, all the way to hell. Straight. Hard. 24, 47 of Luke says in that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name beginning in Jerusalem. And all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Straight. The new birth, it's absolute. That's new. As in new birth, meaning new man, new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. But John said that you accept to be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 3. That's not what my preacher said. I mean, no disrespect. I promise you, I do not. But the Bible says, except ye be born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What's verse 5 say? Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We read our first set of scriptures and we're talking about the straight way, the straight gate. There's a lot of people at the entrance. There's a whole lot of people just mendling around and, and loitering around the front of the gate. But until you or I are willing to line up to the Word of God, until we repent, until we're baptized, until we're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't enter into the straight gate. Straight. New birth. But I believe that should be enough. I believe in God. Tells me I should believe. Yeah, it does. But Mark 16, 16 says, believe and be. Shake the preacher's hand. Believe and wear a pretty purple tie. 
believe and is baptized shall be saved. Holy Ghost, that's part of that new birth experience. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. Acts 2.4 said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, two and one. Eight and nine of Romans, for those who think somehow that the Holy Ghost is only an added benefit, which it is an added benefit. It's a gift, right? Acts 2, verse 38 said it's a, it's a gift, 39. But he says, Romans 8, 9, he says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of God or Spirit of Christ, he can come in anyway. He says he is none of his. Is that your Bible? Am I making this up? Straight preaching. The word is straight. It's very clear. But people want to muddle it up because they don't want to say things that are hard or hurtful. I want to make heaven my home, church. I want to make it. You know, they tell me, you ever looked at some of those, uh, the, that, that baseball fields, when those lawn guys do that stuff in the baseball field? I mean, not the Astros turn, the real stuff. See the patterns they do? Like they'll do a crisscross and, they, and they'll lay stuff out and straight as an arrow. Looks like it's so beautiful. I'm watching this video because I was thinking about that in straight lines. They call it striping. Striping. I just call it mowing. But they've got all kinds of fancy stuff that they've got. But the one guy, he went through this whole video and he said, there's something very interesting about striping or when you're cutting and trying to maintain a straight line. You have to, Brother Carl, have propulsion. I thought for a second, what is he, why did he say that? He said, because if you don't have any propulsion, then you're relying entirely upon yourself to maintain the speed and the purpose, and there are too many things that can get you off track. Got to have propulsion. I'm mowing the grass last night while I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, I need more propulsion. And it's got the front wheels that are driving, you know. They're doing their spinning like crazy. And you get to the end of your run and you go, okay. And you tilt it back and you bring it around and you get ready to go for your next run. You're trying to catch your breath, Brother Daniel. <laughs> and I want it to go faster? I don't think so. <laughs> I want it to make it easier. And it said, you've got to have propulsion if you want to keep a straight line. A lot of times, we live for God, and we forget about where the propulsion comes from. We want to maintain a straight line and, and try to live right and do this, and we got no Holy Ghost brewing in our hearts. Nothing going on inside. We got no prayer that's, 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 uh, that's, that's germinating and making things happen. See, prayer is important. 
I kind of thought I'd get that tonight. I really did. You see, without prayer, there's no power. I've heard it said, little prayer is little power. Big prayer is big power. You want to start seeing God do some things in your life, and you got to get connected to the source, and He'll start giving you some propulsion. He'll start giving you some direction. You see, I just can't make it to Wednesday. When was the last time you prayed? Last Wednesday. No wonder. Got to have some propulsion. Got to have some power. Just can't make it on my own. I can't do it. I need to walk circumspectfully, Ephesians 5.15. I got to live right if I want to die right. Can I get an amen? Anybody think differently than that? Think that somehow you can live wrong and it'll all work out in the end? That just by chance will bust the gates of heaven wide open? Yeah, I'm not going to repeat that. John 14, 15, if you love me, I mean, you love him. We all love him, don't you? Do you love him? Of course you do. Of course you love him. But he says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Follow my statues. Let the law be what guides us. Let, let the precepts and the, and the word itself be my guide. We think somehow that because we're in the dispensation of grace, that is easy. It's nothing, you or I, nothing that you or I do will change God's grace. That's true and false at the same time. Nothing you can do will change God's grace. His grace is just, period, unmerited favor. But it's false to think that His unmerited favor is going to fall on me. And shine on me when I refuse to do what's right. He said, he that knows to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. And the wages of sin is death. Is that straight? Straight line. No wavering, no waffling. It's not up to a vote. Well, I think we should vote on that, brother. You go right ahead. Vote's already been cast, already been sealed, it's done. If you love me, keep my commandments. And so here's this grace, his unmerited favor. It was to save us from our sins. That's what Calvary was for. To save us from our sins, not to save us in our sins. Is it hard to be sinless? Absolutely. Anybody got it worked out entirely yet? Oh, we haven't. I still get up, Brother Toasting, some days, and I look in the mirror, and I just hate who I see. I, I, get, I get short with people. I don't want to be, but I do. I let the flesh. Sometimes it's lack of sleep. Sometimes it's I just don't feel good. Can I get an amen? Is that all right? And sometimes I just got a carnal attitude, and that's nobody's fault but me. Ten Commandments, what they say? Thou shalt not. Straight as an arrow. 
Romans 13, 9 and 10. Thou shalt not, the first, verse 9. What's it say? Thou shalt not commit adultery, shalt not kill, shalt not steal, all in continuation of the Old Testament law. But look at what he does down there at the end. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Mark 12, verse 30. And if I'll do it with my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then it's going to be okay. Luke 10, 27 said heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then he said my neighbor. Your neighbor, church, as yourself. That's the dispensation of grace. It's, it's supposed to be easier. Sometimes it's harder. Yeah. It was easy when you murdered somebody. They just got, that was it, done. Now you hate somebody and it's all okay. We understand, right, Brother Joseph? No. Word of God says you hate them. It's the same as murder. For those of you who have a wandering eye, adultery. A judgment of stoning. In the dispensation of grace, the wandering eye says, just the wandering eye. Says that's the same. That lust is the same as adultery. Be careful, little eye. What you see. Grace requires that you and I live right. Can I get an amen? It matters who he is trying to finish this up. Who he is. First Timothy 3.16, a lot of people want to say it's a big mystery. Great is a mystery. That's it. Nobody will ever know. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Pretty straight. Isaiah 45.11 says, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Pretty straight. Ephesians 4.5 says, There's one Lord. Pretty straight. Acts 9.5, when Paul is smote on the road to Damascus, and he's lying there after he has just had an encounter with God, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10.9, I am the door. Revelations 1.8, I am Alpha. And Omega. I'm, I'm what started this thing off. I'm the beginning, and I'm going to be the one at the end. It matters who He is. And Jesus, when referenced in multitudes of Scriptures, I'll throw them if you're taking notes, He said, I am He. Capital H, E. John 8, 24 and 28, the verse. John 13, 19. John 18, 6. And he was told in Isaiah 45, 2, he said that he would make the crooked straight. And Luke 3, verse 5 said, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. It's straight at the gate. We've got to check it all there. We've got to check our passions. We've got to check our lusts and our desires. And our carnality. 
Because when you pass through the straight gate, there's no room for that. It implies that it's very small. Not in the sense that if you're 240 and 6'6", that it'll only fit somebody who's 5'5", and 115, and a size 28 waist. (laughs) It's nothing to do with that. It just says there's no room for anything but you when you're poured out. What Jesus says is to carry, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who are poured out of self. When you pass through the gate, you can't have bitterness. You can't have anger. You can't have ought. You can't have unbelief. You've just, there just has to be a reliance. He said that if we'll come to him as little children, it's a straight gate. It won't allow for anything else. There's no angels with swords there. But it'll require for us to come to him as little children to deny ourselves, to put off the world and its ways, to then endure hardness and journey on, occupy till he comes, and to resist evil. Why is there a few that find it? Because many want to stand at the gate. Many want to be close, but few want to commit. I'm closing with this scripture, Luke 13, 24. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able because they're not wanting to give up those other things. They can see that there's a line, but they don't want to follow the line. Amen? They don't want to focus. They don't want to get clarity. They don't want to be consistent. They don't want to be entrenched. The CEB says make every effort at the beginning of there to enter through the narrow gate. And the Amplified says it like this, and I'm closing. Strive to enter by the narrow door. Force yourself through it. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Why, Brother Justin? Because I can't go through that gate if I want to keep carrying everything else. I can't stay on the straight and narrow. And the gate requires that I'm trying to be straight, trying to follow after him. Anybody want to make heaven their home? Anybody? Is that all? Only one, maybe two of you? Anybody want to make heaven their home? Think I'm trying to think I'm trying to pick on somebody? I'm not, I promise you. The Bible's straight. Jesus was straight. He had compassion, but he was straight. He never, never ever gave any inclination or any indication or any just possibility that we could do less than was required and still make it. Never. 
He said the door was open to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's open. But not the way you are. Not the way you're trying to get through. He said, you stand in the synagogues and you pray. God, I've done this and this and this. And the Poor man over there beating his chest saying, have merciful on me, I'm a sinner. You want to go through the gate? We're going to deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. Stand with me this morning if you would please. Interesting thing about mowing grass. You can make the straight, straightest lines, Brother Justin. Get all done, you go, whoo, man, that looks good. And next week, what happened to my lines? Now, mowing grass, if you only had to do that once a year, That'd be kind of cool. I could do other things. Just trying to say, we got to keep on, church. We have to keep on. Because there's influences and there's things that distract us. There's a battle, battle going on to, to, to pull you away from the things of God. And we just can't let that just can't let that win. What you, Brother Brad, may be dealing with, what battles you and fights you nonstop, it seems, is probably very different than what bottles Sister Misty or Brother Stacy, Sister Brandy. But we're all battling. We're struggling with things, working on things. Every day, every day, he doesn't take a vacation. I'm referring to the one that seeks, walking about seeking whom he may devour. He does not take vacation. I never found any verses, Brother Nate, that imply that the devil went to Hawaii for three months, got himself a good tan, then he came back and started bugging you again. He may leave for a day or two or sometimes a week or more, but he always comes back. Why? Because there's a chance he can get you distracted, sister. There's a chance that, that he can get you off on a tangent, brother. Get you hating somebody or angry at somebody that you really, it's not who you're fighting, it's the devil. Straight. Straight lines, straight life, straight preaching. Straight word. Eyes closed if you just pray with me. God of heaven, we love you. In your own words, just pray in your own words. I love you. I thank you for your word, God, I do. I thank you that it's without error. It's without controversy that it's straight it tells me what I need to do what I, I must do in order to be saved I thank you 
I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to be sent in a direction that's unfruitful. Thank you for your word. I thank you for my pastor, God. I do. I thank you for his his sensitivity to your spirit, God. And the needs that, that are needed in my life. I thank you that he'll preach to me straight. Love me. Help me to see there's hope. Thank you for repentance. It's straight. Thank you for water baptism in Jesus' name. Thank you for the power that comes with the Holy Ghost. I thank you. Give me that power. Give me that propulsion. Help me. Keep forward motion, God. I can't stop. I can't look away. I've got a goal, and it's heaven. There's a prize that lays and waits for me. my brother, for my sister and godly fellowship.